0: Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the weekly podcast from the marketing minds at duconvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peek.
1: We are here. Welcome to episode number 22 it's been 22 already, and I think every episode I'm gonna say, "Hey, it's number 23." It's been 23 already. <laughs> oh my goodness, there's so many. Yeah, it just keeps sacking. 22 seems like a real number though, so that's that's cool and exciting.
0: It does. That's it's, when you you're out of college, life is beginning.
1: That's right. What is right? the next number after that? I don't know. 62, 65, 40, 30. I don't know. Landmark. Well, the next after here, the next 30s. number
0: after 22 is 23.
1: It what is 23. <laughs> <laughs> the imp- the important ones. The important ones. Oh,
0: the next important one? Uh, yeah, I the think thirty is kind of a big 30, deal.
1: It's monumental.
0: You're yeah. like, you've got you've got some disposable income now. You may or may not have kids. Uh then yeah. then then yeah, then I feel like it's every ten years. It then then it's forty is like, oh forty's not old, but it really is old. You're lying to <laughs> <for> yourself. <laughs> and Go then back. then fifty you're like, I'm I'm halfway to death. Um And I don't, I don't even know what, like, what else are you? I don't even know. I feel like it's uh, a,
1: it's a moving target now. We're all like, we'll live so much longer.
0: You're excited if you reach 60 without hearing aids. I I don't, what are we talking about?
1: I don't even know. (laughs) Other than a relative of mine just got hearing aids and he controls it with his phone. Super cool. And so he could, he's, he's blown away with it. He's, he's older, of course, but he has like Oh, a relative of yours. I thought you were talking
0: about a TV show or something. No, 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 no. Anyways, (laughs)
1: anyways on to <laughs> onto to this stuff um, so my my quick story for this week which I think we should all keep in mind especially us on the I'd say like the tactical execution side who are always in their ads um, managing everything is just to really keep in mind the product you are advertising has such a weight on the conversion rates mm-hmm. so you really need to do things more than once so let's say you've created a single landing page and it's and you're Getting coming soon leads for this community coming out, say October 2018. And it's converting at, I don't know, 10%. That's an easy number. 10%. If you only have one landing page, you really can't compare that against something to be like, hey, is that good? Is that bad? 10%. Like, did the numbers work? The cost per lead? All those things are nice to know. But if you do it again and you have a, a different type of product, let's say you have a town home versus single family homes. You could then see the differences and go, okay, cool. There's nothing wrong with what I'm doing. I'm actually doing a really good job. It's just because it's a townhome or it's a 55 plus community or it's a XYZ. That's why the conversion rates are where they are. And then you can just work within those parameters. Mm -hmm. I feel like some of us can go crazy trying to go, well, I should be at 15%
0: or 20%. But well, it's all, you fault, product, you talk, you it's all your fault, Andrew. You talked, you said fifteen percent once on a podcast, and now that's the news. That's the new normal, right? I mean, the only thing, the other thing you have to compare against would be how your website is converting generally, mm-hmm. right? So, generally, you know, you yeah. want your landing page to be doing better than that. In fact, yeah, one of our clients is also in the wedding event business because they and they own a golf course mm-hmm. clubhouse and they have weddings. And so, just yesterday when I was out there Makes visiting sense. them, we spent a little bit of time looking at that business too. And, and they do everything for the wedding, or a lot of things very similarly. They have a landing page. Um, it's designed well. Um, but for one of their two venues, the landing page actually is converting um, about half a percent worse than the actual site. So there's there's stuff to dig through there, but that was a an unusual case of, well, actually, we need to turn that page off and just go back to the... We didn't have anything else to compare yeah. it to, like you're saying. It was just the site itself. Mm-hmm. So. That is unusual
1: yeah it should be at least yeah definitely at least the website conversion well, what do i know about weddings double triple okay. uh, i exactly <laughs> you have it once and then you're done and then yeah wedding Hopefully. planning. that sounds like a very stressful 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 uh
0: yeah but the, the product definitely has such a I i mean not just image quality price point um location all those oh. all those things yep absolutely so many things yeah
1: images make a difference yeah so keep just keep that in mind don't go crazy going i need to be at 20 when in fact say 10%. 10% might be like amazing like you could not get any better. Um until you do a few for the same product type then you realize like okay townhomes might be in this range and then the market conditions and um, there's so many different variables but just don't go crazy you're chasing Chasing your numbers. Yeah.
0: I'm going to tease a story that I'm not going to talk about now, but I'm, I'm going to work on a blog post this weekend for it. So you'll see it there. But I almost died nice. um, yesterday flying home. Okay. A <laughs> little, little okay. exaggeration. Uh, on the airplane? Yeah. Yeah. Or... <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I always okay. fall asleep. I'll just tell the first part of it. I won't tell the like, I'll just tell the funny part. But I always fall asleep before the planes take off. And no exception. Jealous. It's just the sound of the engine. It just lulls me right to sleep. And so I fell asleep. We're flying out of Charlotte uh, to Columbus and it it got delayed because a thunderstorm had passed through. And so I fall asleep after we start moving before we before we take off and I wake up to it's a little bumpy at first. I'm kind of groggy, so I don't really know what's going on. But the the woman in front of me is shrieking uh, excitedly. And her companion, the the male companion with her, was trying to be funny and calm everyone down by making a comment that, you know, none of us need to go to an amusement park today because the roller coaster ride is included. And I've been in turbulence before, but um, Mm -hmm. a couple of things that were different. One, this was up and down as well as left and right. Like it was just all over, throwing the plane around. And uh, a few people's phones actually were flying, like disconnecting from their corded headsets and just flying through the cabin. Like it was... Oh, it was pretty intense, and it was almost about ten minutes of this uh, going on. It was just the cloud uh, height was so tall that we just were going through those clouds. Um, and, and anyway, so that that prompted me gotcha. to think just briefly about um, you know traumatic experiences of which home building had one from two thousand eight to two thousand twelve, and kind of getting past that. So look for that blog post um, coming out soon. But the, my real story is just a concept that I've I've been mulling over a lot more and trying to refine so that we can present this more in depth at the summit. But I'll give everyone a quick peek, which is just that everyone needs to stop advertising so much. Just stop advertising as much as you are. And what I mean by that is there's only uh, so much impact that you're going to have as, as people continue to phase out advertising. And I'm not just talking about advertising mm-hmm. itself, continuing to lose effectiveness. That's part of it. But Maybe if I use some analogies, it'll be better. So, you know, just think about Amazon. Where would Amazon be if they didn't offer free shipping? Yeah. What if they just ran a ton of ads all the time about how great Amazon is and you can get anything there, but you had to pay, you know, four to $12 every time you wanted to get something to your home. That was a strategic decision on their Mm -hmm. part to invest in making the product and the experience better, not just incrementally better, but radically better. And they learned that when they acquired Zappos, um, the shoe company originally. And then the other one is Apple. If you've read, um, the Steve jobs biography, you know, Steve said, Hey, all this money we're spending Mm -hmm. on advertising mass media. What if instead I reinvest a large portion of that money into what eventually became the Apple stores that we know today? I mean, where would Apple be if all you could do was go online and then walk into a Best Buy to buy their product? Just that entire experience of going in the store, the way it's laid out, the interaction that you have, usually positive interactions that you have with the staff there. Uh, And for home builders, you know, what, what we're doing uh, right now with, with the newest Facebook approach that we're doing, we're seeing people getting four times the number of visitors for, you know, half or, or less of the cost and actually increase lead count. And so, part of you says great let's just advertise more cuz this is great and efficient but what about taking those savings and reinvesting them in you know not just the exterior color house uh, rendering house app that that does the color exteriors but why not do instead of just one interior kitchen tool where you can change the cabinets and the countertop which a lot of builders have just one of those now why not do 10 of them and and have yeah. even more content the other thing that i was just talking about earlier which really got me excited is, you know, there's a service called Knock. knock.co um, if you want to go to their website. And um, a f- good friend of mine who used to be at Zillow now is over there, uh, Thais Pell. Um, and I was talking to her a while ago. Essentially, you, you trade in your home as their newest program. And there are other folks who do this, but but they buy the house that you want to own so that you can go ahead and move there. And then they sell your existing house. And there's a reduced commission amount, I believe. And then you just pay, um, once your house sells, they collect the difference in mortgages. So if it takes two months and your house is $2,000 a month mortgage, then you pay four grand um, out of the proceeds of the sale. But what if a home builder said, you know what? I have a million dollar ad budget and instead I'm going to spend 750 dollars and I'm going to offer this program to everyone. I'm going to promote it. And I'm going to say that extra cost, we'll cover that. Now there's legal things you'd have to challenge, but what if when you walked in uh, to an inventory home and someone said, especially a move up uh, home builder, someone who everyone that they bought, they sell to is going to have a house to sell. For sure. And they said, there's this great program. You don't have to move twice. Uh, uh, you don't have to worry about your, your home isn't even listed yet. That's Okay. The average days on the market right now is 45. So you're probably going to sell your house quickly. But even if it takes your home twice as long, we're going to cover all that extra expense going with Knox program. That's that's like disruptive change and and making it so much easier than simply documenting the customer experience and saying, we're going to try to reduce the number of pages on the purchase agreement from four to two.
1: Yeah, that's and that uh, that uh that barrier is like hey you could be in your brand new home in yeah 30 maybe, days i don't know yeah, whatever time right. frame like you could be here like right now
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and all their friends would be like whoa you moved so quickly what happened like that is a talking point
0: yeah so but all this is going to require it's going to require investment not in advertising but more at point of purchase and post-purchase with the customer and not mm-hmm. just incremental change but radical change
1: all right, on to the news. From Um, So this quick little case study measured the impact of the number of reviews and the Google local ranking. Mm-hmm. So new homes in Tampa, new homes in Columbus. And so they, they measured, I think it was 40,000 different companies, which is quite a few, all the reviews. And there was an update in May in which Google removed a lot of reviews if they were connected to an anonymous account mm. so if it wasn't like an active gmail account it was just you know a random review from somebody yep. so a lot of these were, were fake reviews they were low quality reviews or they were maybe on the opposite end they were like super nasty customers so it was a quick way to just get rid of all those situations and so they did it and there was a definite correlation between the number of reviews and the amount of um the rankings decrease when they lost the reviews so in other words this article is saying the more reviews you have, there seems to be an impact in where how many how much you rank, like that you're ranking on
0: there, and that so that makes that's sense neat. because that seems like
1: that's it it does.
0: You would imagine that oh. uh, that the more reviews a company has, and that, what the article doesn't talk about um, is you know if those are positive or negative reviews, right? It's just saying the raw yeah, just says raw number. Yeah,
1: because they're going. Look, is is this active? Is this business active? Now, as the far four as companies I, they referenced here
0: all had a four and a half or better rating. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that that is interesting uh, for sure. And home builders definitely struggle with how to do this properly um, and legally Leg- without getting in trouble with uh, you know mm-hmm. review washing. At the end of the day it's kind of goes back to what we were just talking about. You, you have to focus more on the fact that these reviews are feedback and not yes. stress about it being perfect. And don't figure it's not about spending an extra two weeks trying to figure out how to game the review better, how to just make the experience better. So people who do review now there's two parts, there's the review being better and then just getting people to review you. The, the getting review Correct. parts easier. Right. It's, it's the getting good reviews that is, that can be challenging for some builders, but that, that's really, that is really interesting, uh, insight. Always yeah. Love. yeah. I was
1: just, I was looking at quite a few builders and I'm like, man, I feel like with how many build homes they sell per year, they should be getting at least 15 to 20% of that number. Yeah. And would. maybe these numbers are crazy. All at Avid Ratings can help us out with like what should be a good number. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there needs to be a benchmark, especially based on the price point where I see, I'm, I've looked at realtors that I know locally and the realtors, they're, they're not building the home. There's that relationship. And in my opinion, probably isn't there as much um, based on these local realtors. I know that sell like right where I live and they have crazy amount of reviews. I'm like, what is going on here? Like some builders have less reviews and they've done, hundreds of times of transactions yeah. in homes than, than this single person who just helped them find really, yeah. And yeah, in our area, stuff just doesn't stay on the market. I'm like, there's no reason that everyone should be going crazy with, with reviews. I
0: think, I, I don't remember the exact uh, stat, but something like 80% of all realtors sell one home or less a year. So the fact that, you know, so yeah. many of them have mm-hmm. a high number of review count, you're absolutely right. All right, the next one is, uh, Google's going to help you get better context in your ads. Auto-magically? Is that, is that what this Auto- one's about?
1: Auto-magically. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, Auto-magically is, is the way it works. So Google just released this, and this is all part of the rebranding from Google AdWords to Google Ads, getting rid of some product names. And so this is I, the only thing that I think applies to, to the builders is they're coming out with what's called responsive ads. And essentially what it will be, you build the single ad, which has up to 15 so that's one, five, 15 headlines and up to four descriptions. So a headline, I believe it's 30 characters and the descriptions are up to 90 characters. That's a lot of writing, mm-hmm. but, but it's a single, single ad, all the things you want. And then Google will automatically, with their AIs, um, create the ideal ad based on what that person typed in. So pretty cool. And we could still... On the positive side, we could still like, we, hey, we really want to have price point in there. We need price point in there because we don't know what the people, if they're typing in New Homes Tampa, that could be someone searching for a million dollar house. Could be someone searching for a starter home that's from the 200s. So having the price point in there would be ideal. That way we filter out the, to get the right person. Mm-hmm. Um, but having like the variations on that, so it could be priced from the homes, from the you know different versions of that to ideally get the most amount of clicks. With our constraints of, hey, we need price point, hey, we need quick moving homes or a number of quick moving homes or the square footage. So it seems pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Now, I have, a, I have a probably very simple question. Do you think that part of this is helping, trying to help advertisers who are trying to do this on their own uh, clean up the ad interface? Meaning, essentially, you're kind of, it's kind of like having 15 different ads. But structurally, mm-hmm. the way it's going to look in there is it's going to appear as one. Does that make sense what I'm asking?
1: Correct. Yeah, yeah. So all the, all the Google reps, they like to call me all the time because I'm, I'm fun to hang out with. And I tell them to um, call
0: you and leave me alone. <laughs> yes,
1: exactly. And so they're like, hey, you really need at least four ads in each ad group. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, that's a lot. That's not like, manageable. That's, that's that is insane. I'm like, that's, imagine if I did this for everybody. He's like, yeah, I know, or, or he or she, yeah, I know. But I'm like, okay, so I think this is their way of, of forcing that. So really, you would have a campaign, an ad group, so you'd still have to have similar keywords in that ad group. Mm-hmm. Say Tampa was the focus. Mm-hmm. And then you'd make your single ad, which would fit their ideal scenario of having at least three to five ads because you're putting in up to 15 headlines. Yeah, You don't have to do 15, but I'm sure there's like the one at least. Oh, or, but then
0: they're going to give you a uh, C out of a C rating or something. Yeah. yeah be some kind of I'm sure they'll pressure. have some
1: pop-ups on there. Mm-hmm. That's right. I'm sure they'll have some pop-ups on there. Um, I still think there's got to be some end game of, of Google wanting it to be so easy that they would not have agencies help with the smaller local clients mm-hmm. as far like if your budget, say you're a local company and you're spending $500 a month on Google ads, it gets, in my opinion, kind of crazy to pay an agency at least 500 a month to manage that $500 and spend. You might as well just spend a thousand and hope that half of it works. Um, that's, of course, if your local business is not a builder, a little different. Yeah, so this will maybe this is a way for them to get more revenue because it's just an easier process. It's almost like a four-step form. Where do you want to advertise? What keywords do you like? Where is your ad? I guess that's three steps. And how much do you want to spend?
0: That's mm-hmm. And that'll
1: be pretty easy. Compared to Facebook, you don't need an image. It, it's a lot more attractive um, to get it going. Cool. So watch out for that. I think it's, I've seen it, um, on a few, on a few accounts, but it's not everywhere yet. I believe it's this month and next month that they're rolling out responsive ads to everybody.
0: Got it. Mm -hmm. Well, this, uh, episode is brought to you by Google. The last one is more about Google ads. I'm, I've, I've been trying to be good, Andrew. I'm not calling it Google AdWords. It's, it's Google ads. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is, a lot of you will understand the term in-market segment when it comes to, to Google ads, uh, display ads, and YouTube and Gmail targeting. Uh, but at the end of April, what they rolled out was what they call life event targeting. And essentially, it's just very similar to what we've had in Facebook, which is now going away, ironically. Um, so I don't know how they're That's doing this without uh, probably Google I just has more data know. that they can get first party because of the Chrome browser Mm -hmm. and because of people using Google itself. But essentially, and there are only three life uh, events currently, uh, categories that you can choose from. Uh, College graduation, marriage, and moving. Ding, 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 ding. Winner for us. Moving. So, and and moving is broken down between two different segments, moving soon and recently moved. Uh, So this appears to be a great option for, again, display, YouTube, YouTube and Gmail uh, to target folks uh, with the same type of precision that we used to use the likely to move uh, targeting option for in Facebook. And especially cool with this is that you can layer on top of uh, these life events uh, in market audiences, affinity audiences, and even remarketing audiences. Uh, So you can really get some pretty cool uh, specific targeting. and, And the Link to the article from Ad Espresso by Hootsuite in the show notes uh, gives examples of both Sonos and Purple um, using these campaigns. And as an example, Purple is a mattress company, um, mm-hmm. and they saw a 25% lift in consideration among engaged or recently married when using the life event. I guess when you get married, you decide you're going to upgrade your bed. Uh, maybe you need a bigger bed. I don't know.
1: Right. <laughs> you get in bed. Purple, that's an... Um, this is kind of related to that purple they're the new mattress company i forgot what numbers they i saw from them but like insane amount of revenue for a brand new company that relied on social Mm. to grow their business and then i don't know if you saw that it went more viral in my space my space my i was
0: gonna say whoa where are you hanging
1: out i'm trying to think what would you my circles on the interwebs but the um kylie kardashian her business was at Forbes or business insider or another one. Oh, the billionaire her big article on her being a billionaire, the billionaire uh-huh. soon to be billionaire. And her, she relied solely on social. Her company's valued at $900 million in lip something lip kit. Wow. It's just insane. I don't know. Interesting. I would go read it if you, if you want, of course they go, okay, she, there's a lot of, there's a lot of negative and positive comments that you'll see about the whole thing but i thought it was really interesting
0: just it is something people are talking about thing, three I had, years i had someone on the plane they looked at me mm-hmm. and they were looking at the news story on their tablet and they were like she's not self-made they've got a television show for mm-hmm. goodness sakes that's been around for like 12 years promoting yeah. her but i i and yeah the power of social you just can't it's this is not the yeah. show for you if you're uncertain about that <laughs> Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. For sure. In the show notes, go check out this article. What is great uh, about it is it not only explains it, but then it takes you through step-by-step how to actually build these campaigns. So if you're not uh, a builder partner of ours and and you need someone to kind of help you along, this article will help you do that. Perfect. All right. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to bring in Jackie Lipinski from American Classic Homes in Seattle. And I always try to come up with a fun title. This one is from breaking in to breaking out, Uh, because Jackie is actually one of the few marketing unicorns, official marketing unicorns. She has her mug. Official. Um, Mm -hmm. We're going to talk to her because she transitioned from outside of our industry into our industry, moved to a new city, had to work with uh, in a local family owned uh, home building company. And just kind of what that transition was like and how she went from Uh, being new to being a superstar. We'll be right back. And we're back with Jackie Lipinski. And again, we are going to talk about breaking into the industry and then breaking out, becoming a superstar. Jackie, thanks so much for hopping on with us.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, uh, Andrew thanks. and Kevin.
0: So Jackie is a marketing unicorn. Uh, you got your official award at last year's Summit, right? I did, yes. Uh, now, be honest, do you do you use it? Do you drink I- <laughs> anything out of it or do you just display it proudly I I think
2: it's in my cupboard at home, unfortunately. You know, I, I use it on occasion. You know, I have branded mugs at work, so I'm just trying to stick with the brand at work
0: there you go well if you ever need you know a social media post with to get just a few extra hearts you know pull that sucker <laughs> out do. it'll That's right it's a sure fire um, she has she has a market in unicorn uh, she works for uh, American classic homes in Seattle uh, the market there is uh interesting it's kind of hot yeah right?
2: yeah a little little hot um it's definitely uh, Interesting, you know, not coming from a uh, real estate background to uh, start at uh, American Classic Homes, and um, especially in the Seattle market, and seeing how it's changed in the last few years. You know, we started off building fifty homes just three years ago, and now we're aiming to build a hundred this year. So a lot of a lot of changes,
0: and a price point difference of I don't know half a million, yeah, yeah. over that time. Yeah, <laughs> wow,
2: it's been crazy. So that is crazy fun
1: so be awesome. before seattle and before american classic what industries did you work in before so and where were you
2: i located? uh i ran the marketing department for industrial power equipment company in chicago and we had um oh. yeah five chicagoland locations and uh came over to seattle because i was done with winter <laughs> about three years ago and <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh i've been working for american classic homes ever since
1: so I also came from, you know, outside the industry, mm-hmm. you know, started in e-commerce that so I did more local with, with lawyers. Um, what do you feel working outside of home building space that you brought or was just vastly different than what you're used to?
2: Oh, good question. Um, the pace, Trick I guess is a little different. Um, I you know, I'm, I'm pretty fast paced. I like to get things done quickly and, um, you know, I've, from the first year I started, I was, you know, wrote on a whiteboard of all the things I was going to accomplish that year. And there's still some things on that board, um, that I'm wanting to get done. I know. Uh, but, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been interesting. And, you know, I actually started at my last company as the graphic designer and then the next year running the website and the next year running the department. And so, um, Mm. it was definitely fun to learn those details and then apply them here. And, you know, when I first came on, I actually Ended up firing a lot of designers and people we worked with because we were able to bring so many things in house after I started.
0: Yep. When you say the pace, you mean this industry feels faster, more complex. What do you mean by pace?
2: It takes so long to build a home that when you actually want to have things done, mm-hmm. or uh, you 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 just have to coordinate, I think, better, and uh, and then also know that you're you know, there might be a home plan you want photos of, but you've never built it and it'll be done in 10 months. So how do you solve gotcha. that problem? 10 of, months later. Yeah. Selling a house that you don't have anything for.
0: Right. Cause you guys are, you're not a custom builder. You wouldn't, well, you tell yeah, us how, good. how, how do you describe the type of product that you So build?
2: it's, it's not really custom at all. And we're, we're pretty unique in that we have so many, um, included selections and features to our homes that actually our selections process is minimal. We actually don't even have a um, design studio.
0: Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. So, do you feel like you brought anything with you from power? Now, would you say power? What is it? Power tools?
2: Uh, power equipment company. Yeah. So, like you know, lawnmowers, snow snowblowers? Snowblowers, okay. salts okay. in the winter. Um, super, like super fun. So, for, business to business, Home Depot.
1: Okay, business. To, okay, business to business. So it's not like a Johnny homeowner it, product. Um.
2: You know, we, we marketed to both, but it was mostly business to business. So a homeowner could gotcha. come in, but it was, it was mostly, um, uh, you know, $10,000 okay. orders of lawnmowers. So, so
0: lawnmowers. was it, did you have to do a lot of content creation or oh, was it kind of like the manufacturers would be like, here's all the pictures lots of, that you ever Lots need. of
2: content creation. Um, <laughs> I know way too much about writing articles on, you know, mushroom lawn care, um, and which chainsaws work best. And so. I think being able to, um, (laughs) don't ask me, I'm so tired of, um, you know, I just, people are like, is my tree dying? And, you know, it's like, well, it's at the 30% death rate. So um, anyway. um, Wow. Yeah. Very, very interesting.
0: Will Will Duderstadt just got really interested in whatever it was you were talking about (laughs) plants, but
2: I I can't follow you there. I know. I was an (laughs) avid gardener in uh, Illinois, but uh, not so much in Seattle. So your question was being able to.
0: Was there any skill set that you developed with power or equipment that you felt really helped you, you know, do, do better?
2: Uh, you know, it was a, it was a small family owned business as well. And I think by understanding how that companies work internally and being able to apply them to, um, a new company that is not necessarily the same, but has the same, um, um, you know, you have to plan for the seasons, you have to plan months in advance. And I think that really helped me plan for, um, uh, you know, when a home is done in you know, six to nine months versus, you know, coming up with, we we're still doing print media Mm -hmm. back in Chicago. And so you'd have to create Mm. the, um, magazines, you know, four months in advance for the the following season. And so just, I think becoming super, um, planning heavy. And I think that's, that was one of the first things I did, you know, you have to create templates. I think of how you're going to launch a community two months in advance and then see Mm -hmm. what works, see what doesn't, and then figure out what you can do after it's been created as well.
0: Yeah. I, I feel like home building is a lot of, um, there is planning involved. I don't want to confuse anyone, but to me it's planning for like every possible it's like planning to choose your own adventure mm-hmm. uh, in the sense of, in other industries, you can plan and then execute that plan as you planned it. And here, inevitably, the developer calls and says, sorry, it's gonna be two month delay. Or yeah. your owner walks in and says, sorry, we're gonna go to market now instead of two months from now. <laughs> so exactly. you can you right. have to plan, but you also have to plan in a way that you can be- has flexibility built into Correct. it. Or you're gonna be in trouble.
2: Yes. Yeah, we, uh, we're definitely doing that at this moment. We were supposed to feel bad on like the 5th of July. I was like, I need this email done stat and I'm sending it out today. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. That's, <funny. laughs> but,
0: uh, That's nice. Inside baseball yeah. there. Yeah.
1: So back in Chicago, you did a lot of content creation for lower price products or comparing you know, a $10,000 order of lawnmowers against a million dollar home plus in seattle do you feel like the level of content you created and the quantity and volume for that product is there is almost more put into it or less put into it than say home so
2: you know being able to be a unicorn i think you're able to wear many hats and so we'd get product in and you'd work with and um, tons of vendors and some of them didn't have products of their i'm sorry photos of their products and so I would just grab the camera and photograph them. And and same thing with, um, you know, working with products that we don't have content for. um, How do you figure out what is needed? Being able to create content, yes, for products that you don't have or, you know, you need photographed, you have to come up with creative solutions. And, you know, that could be working on the floor plans, having just the selections available, being able to talk to buyers um, through content and how to visualize their home. I feel has been um, I, one of the best ways on the home building side to create content.
0: So you're saying you could just take a picture of the flooring, the tile, the countertop, combined with the floor plan and say, hey, you know, this is coming. I, don't, I can't show it to you yet, but you could, Correct. you can be creative at times with some of the content that you can manufacture. I'm curious, Jackie, can you tell us a little bit about how you... Found your position, maybe who you spoke with. um.
2: (laughs) Oh, it was you, Kevin. (laughs) Um, So I don't know if you know. I had actually
1: the
0: matchmaker. Yeah, I'd
2: actually accepted a different job, and I hadn't started yet when I came to Chicago. And I get a phone call from, uh, you know, a recruiter saying, "Hey, we found you, and you're perfect for this um, company." And then it wasn't even the company that called me; it was Kevin. And um, luckily, I think. I'm um, <laughs> impressed here. So, um, and it's been, That's yeah, funny. it's it was definitely interesting. And then, um, you know, I think I went to the interview and I was like, right, let's start Monday. And so uh, I was very excited.
0: I do remember. So a couple things that I remember. One is that um, the way that you were talking uh, was fast. That's a joke. But you, were t- <laughs> you, were, you, you talk, you talk quickly, uh, yeah. but you were able to very um, effortlessly explain like, there's a lot going on and it's chaotic, oh, yeah. but at the same time, it's no big deal. Like, it's just life, and that's how I yeah. work things. And so, whether I have to figure out, you know, how do I sell this John Deere mm-hmm. or whatever and make people interested in it, or I have to help with the layout of the store or some other, I mean, you, you were just like all over the board and you were able to go zoom in and zoom out in terms of strategic to tactical effortlessly. And then for me, the free prize inside for American Classic was. You also had a design background, mm-hmm. and I think, especially for small companies, that's just so critical to be able to have someone who can get stuff done internally, like you said, instead of always relying 100 on on mm-hmm. external partners. And I do remember you saying, uh, "The only problem, Kevin, is I've already accepted another job," yeah. and I was like, "That's no problem." <laughs> it's it's like when you meet uh, a girl in college, and people say, "Well, that she has a boyfriend." The joke that we always said was, uh, "You know, if there's not a ring and a date." that they're just a speed yeah. bump. Like it's just something slowing you down. So yeah, I think it's been, I was glad you didn't, didn't uh,
2: take that. Yeah. I've definitely, um, loved working in it. And you're right. I feel like at my last company too, um, you know, it's just, it's chaotic. You have to super plan. And you know, <laughs> the nerdy fact about me is, you know, when people come to Seattle to visit, I'm like, okay, well, here's your itinerary. Here's what we should do. Here's the bullet points and highlights of things to see. Oh my gosh. <laughs> And awesome. um and then you know when I when I do have actually time to write content based on that you know I've had a few of my um pieces be on you know the first page of Google because they're you know usually crazy in depth um articles of what you know like well mm-hmm. this is what I want to know because I'm this type of person who would plan a trip 6 months in advance so if you know I want to connect with those people because those people are also I feel are buyers who can you know free see what their home is going to look like and be able to visualize it along the way.
0: Yeah. And that, that blog post that you're talking about, um, what was the subject that went uh, crazy viral?
2: Well, there were two of them actually, there was, um, you know, how to make friends in Seattle. And that was one I made personal experience. And, um, then, you know, 10 best things to do in and around Seattle in the winter time.
0: I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, so, for, for as well in the winter, no shock. There, but it was the number one yeah. source of traffic by far <laughs> to the website was people looking at that. Now, I yeah. know you also have a love affair with Reddit. Um, I do. How do you incorporate <laughs> that that interest um, with home building? Because it's something that comes up fairly frequent on our calls, where you're saying, "Yeah, and I did this on Reddit," and and you're the only person I ever hear talk about that. So, so talk a little bit about how you how you use that.
2: Sure. So I'll, I'll, um, I will I'll use it for inspiration, I think, and I'll go to the Seattle subreddit, uh, local um, areas, see what thing, people are doing, events. Um, you know, they, within the subreddit folder itself um, section, um, you know, people will be like, oh, does anyone know what's going on this weekend? And I think just understanding how people in the real world ask questions has been something, you know, to be able to create content out of. And in fact, I, I love it because I was able to actually, you know, someone in one of the Seattle subreddits was talking about, they're buying a new home and it was a new home purchase. And they were working with one of our competitors. They're like, and and does this all seem right? And does this seem right? And you know, (laughs) it was, it was interesting to get a buyer's perspective from another home builder of, um, you know, what's been going on. And, um, you can also search your company name and I luckily did not find anything on us, but, um, yeah, it's definitely been good, an good. inspirational um, element as well as, you know, I haven't posted any home photos on it yet under different usernames, but I think that's that's coming soon.
0: Jackie, so what do you think is your superpower? If you had to say, this is the thing I excel at.
2: Um, <laughs> I think you already mentioned it, you know, just being able to organize the chaos that is, um, I think that comes up from maybe working for a smaller home builder. Um, or company just in general, and, and figuring out ways to solve problems. Let's see. I'm trying to think of an example.
0: The first thing is, uh, let me promise you that the big guys are as screwed up as the small guys. The problem is that a lot of times the complexity of all the different moving pieces happening kind of disguise it. And so something that's really messed up in one small area doesn't get exposed mm-hmm. for a long time, if ever, in a large company. But I think in a small company, it's just everything. Uh, everything that everyone does is impacting everybody else all the time.
2: Oh yeah,
0: and it's and it's the yep. feedback loop is incredibly fast. Of we just did this one thing, and all of a sudden, everything you know, you're getting customers calling you. Your other people from the company are saying, "Hey, wh- wh- why did we do that? How did that happen?" Or yeah, when did we make that well, change? We, we made yeah. it yesterday. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I definitely understand. Yeah, one of the other things I did after first starting is just establishing what meetings need to be happening. Um, before I came out, we weren't even having regular meetings with our um, agents. There just wasn't mm-hmm. uh, yeah, a consistent meeting schedule. And then also, I would set up meetings and, you know, if they were a waste of time, just not move forward with them. You know, it's just wasting everyone's time if we're just chit chatting and, and working in circles. And, um, and just keeping everyone informed, I think our internally over the last three years, just our communication as a team, we meet biweekly on Thursdays, um, has definitely helped. And one story I really love to tell. And, um, you know, if you go on our website, you'll see we're, we're actually like a three time customer service award winning home builder is that, you know, whenever we get together as a company, you know. Robert, one of the partners, will ask, you know, and who here is in customer service? And, you know, sometimes the customer service team will raise their hand. He's like, no, everyone raise their hands. And he's like, you know, we're all a reflection of our company. And so we need to be on the same team and how we um, just interact with buyers on all um, elements, including marketing, I think apply to the buyers.
0: Yep. I mean, you actually, one of the other things that makes you guys famous is there is a photo on the Mm -hmm. front of your website that has... All three partners holding up signs with their names and their phone numbers. Correct.
2: Not even fake <laughs> phone that, numbers. Yep. Yeah, it's <laughs> Not awesome. even call real. That is their their home numbers. We've had people um test that theory and they'll call the partners at, you know, eleven PM at night and you know, I know at least one of them will answer. So
0: that's transparency. What Elena was talking about yeah. a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> you know, that is that is full transparency. That's, you know, and but there's that's even at heartland you know one of the things i used to talk about with the group was if you are wearing heartland home swag and you're nervous to do so when walking into a grocery store (laughs) like we got a problem right if you're yeah that's an issue. you should all be wearing your swag with pride and if you only wear it to mow the lawn or paint your house that's a good indication of where your (laughs) brand may be in the local marketplace yeah that's not good so yeah let's let's talk about a few more kind of unique stories or challenges that you've had at times. Do you have run out of models entirely? No model homes. No model homes. Yeah.
2: So we'll, uh, (laughs) I know, I know it's, you know, you have to get really creative when you, uh, someone will say, well, you know, we got to start selling and, you know, it's three weeks out from the model, but we can't wait. Um, but sometimes we'll be just in a, such a completely new market that we will, um, move forward with getting, um, sales centers is what we call trailers. And, um, you know, just mm-hmm. stage them. I, I think the biggest thing is just having a meeting place and being able to walk and visualize the lots. Um, even if they can't see a product really helps the buyer, um, when they're making a decision. And, and luckily I think the, the agents that we work with have worked with us for a number of years that, you know, they're able to answer questions, um, confidently that a buyer has about our product. And, and so, um, that's one of our biggest strengths you also
0: have invested pretty heavily over the years though in oh yeah um photography and and drones and Matterport tours and renderings and all that I mean in comparison to that is one of the things definitely in my mind that that makes you a breakout is you've never (laughs) I'm going to say this confidently because I'm You'll you'll on our next call you'll be like thank you for not remembering but I truly can't remember any time where you have majored on the minors meaning you've been sometimes when working with a, a marketing leader they get distracted by something that feels like it's really important because of it locally in your culture of yeah. your organization it's become a big deal but you've you've done a great job of remaining focused on really what is is truly important and will move the needle and. Mm-hmm. Um, content's an example of that, of very early on identifying that, that need and working tirelessly to keep, keep doing that, even though your product changes all the time.
2: Yeah. So I'll, um, uh, one of the things that I started, um, doing is the day before, luckily I have a great photographer, the day before a house closes. And I know we don't have photos of say that color hardwood, um, those tiles, the house plan in general. Um, I will have my photographer in there the day before the buyer moves in to get that house completely photographed, take detail and selection photos, and um, if there's enough time, always do a Matterport tour as well of that house.
0: That's been the kind of security blanket is those times where because the market is so hot in Seattle and you're selling out of homes so quickly, even though you guys have raised prices at times in a single month by a hundred grand, I know Robert's told me in the past, you still sell out. um, And so that's why you know, you've invested so heavily in all this different um content because at least you can visually allow people to to see it, if not walk through it when when you're out of out of the mall. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And so we may not have photos of Select Plan on our website, but you know, if we know someone's looking for the Bertona plan and they're um extremely interested, you know, we have empty home photos that we will send them just to, you know, create excitement. And and that's kind of just a process we work with our um you know our osc has access to and um and actually i have an intern for you know one additional week and her whole project has just been organizing internal photos so our staff doesn't waste time ever looking for anything in the the drop box that is american classic homes
1: that's very cool for their photographer did you get lucky with a really good photographer or did you have to go through
2: i think i got really lucky. You, you know, I will I think just being proactive and letting him know the schedule and uh, weeks in advance um, has been super helpful. Um, but he does have also a very good photographer that works with him. And I've used additional photographers sprinkled in and, and I just, you know, I'm just very content and happy with my photographer at this moment.
0: And half of the audience just drove off the road or fell out of their <laughs> chair when they said that you could schedule a photographer weeks in advance. So I can, yeah, that, that is, that is something certainly that is rare. Um, at least in today's current market with lack of contractors and and how fast things are moving. But, you know, even, even if you can't, you got to find then like admit the own reality you're in going back mm-hmm. to what I think you've done well is You know, you can schedule in advance, but if if you worked at a home building company where you could only schedule one week in advance, you wouldn't hit your head against the wall and be frustrated that your photographer keeps, you know, we got to find a photographer who can do it with one week notice then or tomorrow. Yeah. You you just got to
2: at least have the backup resources to be able to schedule that. And so, for example, I'm sure you saw on um, the company Instagram, I was at a community just yesterday. And I just brought the camera along. I'm like, I think we're going to need photos of this, this, this. And I can't guarantee that we have those. So I'm just mm-hmm. grabbing the camera and I'm going out and doubling down on things I need to do when I'm visiting sites.
0: Well, thanks again so much for, for joining us, Jackie. Thank you. Uh, tell everyone, uh, we'll put it in the show notes too, but um, what's your favorite social channel? Tell us how to, how to, that you want people to connect to. Uh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it depends. I, um, sorry. I actually own Jackie So feel free to find Sweet. me. And yeah, I have my own website. Oh my gosh. Uh, and then yeah, find me on LinkedIn, Instagram. Um, if you can find me. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me guys.
1: Thank you.
0: Absolutely. Go, uh, go check her out. We should make a list somewhere of all the people who are official marketing unicorns. That should be a thing. All right. Thanks, Jackie. All right.
2: Thank you.
1: We are back. That was a great interview with Jackie. She's always fun to have. Always is.
0: And we were talking in the green room right after we were. <laughs> we don't have the green room.
1: room. Digital. Green As room. we
0: were waiting uh, for the audio files to upload, uh, we were talking. And you know, Jackie does not love speaking in front of people. She can get a little bit nervous. We don't rehearse ahead of time uh, these interviews at all. And uh, she, did, she did awesome, but she commented mm-hmm. that one of the f- her other superpowers is that when she is uncomfortable with something, she decides instead to go all in. So um, she's like, don't use this against her. Like, you know, if you want to make her jump out of an airplane, just say, you're too scared to do it. And apparently so, Which she did do. It, do. She,
1: yeah. I would never do that. That's crazy.
0: Uh, she took a public speaking course, even though she doesn't public speaking. So I, just another example of, you know, she's not afraid to attack areas of weakness and be honest about them uh, or or just flat out fear. It sounds like in terms of airplanes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> airplanes jumping out of them, which beginning of the podcast, you had your story. Quick question on that. Was that a little plane going from Charlotte? Uh, no, to... it, it,
0: I mean, it was a uh, it was a local uh, regional jet, but it wasn't okay. small. I mean, there was um, probably 25 rows of seats okay. you know, two on okay. each side. Yeah. So it could be smaller. It could be smaller. It definitely could be bigger. but Definitely could be um, bigger. Gotcha.
1: We'll have yeah. to stay tuned for that blog post and see what happens. <laughs> stay tuned. All right. Um, let's go to the question of the week. So this is for last week's question, which was, what do you think about holiday-related campaigns? Are they effective for you or do you do them simply because it's an excuse to post something? Maybe it's just a habit. All right. So let's do a few here. Here's one from Martha. Uh, She had mixed feelings. If we do them, they are strictly to wish our customers whatever on that holiday or let them know our holiday hours. That's a great idea. Um, We don't do incentives, incentives related to them. We at least promote them, so we definitely don't use a holiday to push a promotion. Yeah, I like that. And let's see another one from Garrett from Colorado. A nice holiday message is one thing, but I think holiday campaigns come across as cheesy and people see right past them, especially without incentives.
0: Yeah, and then Sean Carpenter, uh, sorry I missed you today at our um, Dream Bean Breakfast Club meeting, Sean, but I uh, hope you had a good round of golf. Uh, he said, you know, admit it, it would just be stupid if people did a whole pumpkin spice event in April. It's not that people even like pumpkin spice. I, I take offense to that, sir. But in October, it's okay, <laughs> kind of, uh, the way McDonald's gets away with their shape. Toothpaste flavored shamrock (laughs) shakes around St. Patrick's Day. Well, I think, Sean, what you're talking about is context. Like, it would be weird to do pumpkin spice in in April. But I think, and and Will, who will talk more about his awesome uh, link and blog post that he he put in here, there's a difference between contextually relating to a season or a time of year, you know, when people are naturally going to be going to the pumpkin patch or um, eating pumpkin pie. Versus trying to capitalize on a holiday, especially when that holiday has a meaning that goes beyond, you know, selling a stick of gum or uh, trying to get someone to.
1: Or donut day. Like there's the different food holidays. Those are.
0: Mm-hmm. So I think context is absolutely critical. I, I agree with that. I mean, there's no way that McDonald's would sell, sell a shamrock shake uh, in February well, not for, for Valentine's Day. Right. That would be that would be strange. Um, but I think there's a difference in what we're talking about and and part of it too, and then we'll get back to the comments for me is you're always, you always have to be aware of how you're using your audience's attention. That's something that for sure at Convert. that's why we don't sell. We don't, we don't sell for a lot of reasons, but one of them is if you see a blog post from us or you're listening to our podcast, you're giving us your attention and we want to show that we value that attention by trying to remain on con on context and on message for why you would be listening to us in the first place. And so if you're going to take my three seconds on Facebook to tell me happy flag day, uh, from all of us at XYZ builder, that's where, you know, what is the purpose of that? And I, and do I wish I had those three seconds back? Yes, I would give them back, please. (laughs) It's not, it's not, it's not a, it's it's not a good use of my time either. Just to read that message. Anybody's yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, I like Will. Will had a, a great post on his site. So if you're in the Market Proof Marketing Facebook group, you could, link, you could click his link to it. Um, and his comment is, my pet peeves are posts like these from brands. Unless there's a direct and strong correlation, it comes off as cheap and needy. And so he collected a few examples. It's in this awesome blog post of his. I would say go check it out. It is, it's worth the read.
0: Yeah, my favorite uh, to pull out of there is uh, Cinnabon did a, a tweet out. When Carrie Fisher died, who played um, Princess Leia Organa in Star Wars, famous for the bun uh, hair. And so <laughs> um, they had an artist draw with cinnamon an outline of uh, Princess Leia's head and then put a Cinnabon on the side of her head. Oh. And so, yeah. you know, I R- RIP Carrie Fisher, you'll always have the best buns in the galaxy, which is weird in several ways, but the fact that you are celebrating someone's death by trying to hawk your product is just. that's
1: so many layers of just weirdness
0: that's Mm -hmm. (laughs) yep uh let's see let's do one more so and then one kind of not contrarian but different perspective irma uh said there are many reasons why these posts that should be from contribution whoa let me start over there are many reasons why these posts that should be from contribution are effective nope second time around i still can't understand what that's saying (laughs) next line (laughs) There are many reasons why these posts should be effective. The most obvious reason is keeping your brand front and center. It's also a great opportunity to thank your audience for sticking around without asking for anything. And I, I think I still disagree with you, although I appreciate the feedback. And just that if you're not saying anything, uh, well, I guess that's different. So you might not be asking for anything, but are you saying anything? Yeah,
1: are you giving? I guess that's like if you ask and then give, but there's not, you're not giving anything of value of Positive. I don't know. They're like, you're not giving much of anything, I guess.
0: Like the I, I posted one example when I, when in the group and it's, and it has a gal in a little uh, rocking chair with a flag, uh, probably an eight year old. And it says happy porch of July from your friends at blank builder, joining you in celebrating this independence day. So that at least made me chuckle, right? It's at least a play on words. It's something. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it was just happy 4th of July from all your friends at blank builder,
1: and a generic it doesn't
0: contribute. There's no yeah, generic not picture or something.
1: Anything. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. so. Let's see, do them or not do them, or if you're going to do them, do them very well. What are your thoughts?
0: Oh man, I just I would say, generally speaking, don't do them or do them only to audience a, a very specific audience. So to the world you know, why even to people who follow you on Facebook, maybe, maybe to all of your customers and, and you know, like a convert as an example, um, we send out gifts to our builder partners at Thanksgiving. And so that goes back to Sean's point about context of one, we know everyone's going to get gifts around Christmas. And so you're just one of another gift, but two, the purpose of the gift is to, te- is to say thank you for the partnership. So it's a, it's a, it's a best of everything because it's arriving before everyone else's gifts do in December. So there's no There's less clutter. And two, it, it, the context of, of, you know, we're saying thanks because this is the time of year where we should be thinking a little bit extra about what we're thankful for. And we thought of you. So, but I wouldn't post that on social media to, you know, yeah, everyone. That'd be weird. I don't know. What do you think?
1: um yeah i think if if you're going to post anything it needs to be done very well like if say you wanted a generic non-promotional as far as not promoting an incentive or like a product or a sales for july 4th i think it needs to be more genuine like if it's like hey, happy Fourth from all of us at xyz then the picture at least needs to be of all of us at xyz and some mm, type yeah. of mm-hmm. real man or not like like i like the I do kind of like the happy porch of July, but it feels like I'm like, oh, that's a stock photo, even though it might not be the way it's taken. It feels yeah. like it was stock. Like maybe if that could have been the product itself, the team builder, something where it's like, oh, that's funny. Look, that's a real company. I can relate to them. And now. we're
0: definitely pushing, you know, we're almost to 10 minutes talking about something We are really, you don't have to think. I mean, <laughs> or don't
1: even worry about it. That, <laughs> or don't even not worry about it. Move the needle. Yeah, it won't. But again... I don't want to
0: confuse people by thinking that we just said, you know, everything you post has to be amazing. No, but if if what you post could be construed as cheap, uh, a cheap attempt at gaining extra attention Mm -hmm. without contributing to the conversation by by hijacking a holiday that everyone's trying to celebrate with friends and family. There you go. That's when it better be better than average.
1: Maybe that's where the because.
0: Yeah, go ahead. Well, just, you know, like a photo of your kitchen, you might look at that and say, well, it's a good picture, but it's not amazing. Does that not pass Andrew and Kevin's test? Well, no, if it's a good picture of a kitchen, post it, because that's still content that the people who are who are seeing it would be interested to see Mm -hmm. because that's what they're doing. Right. So. That's that's just what I wanted to clarify. Definitely.
1: Here. I think the the lens on the holidays is people will naturally feel like you're trying to hijack that holiday. So I think just keeping mm-hmm. that that context in mind will probably help you make the better decision of what to yep. post.
0: There you go. Yep. And this week's question of the week is gonna be a poll in the Facebook group. But how what percentage of your marketing budget is spent on digital advertising? So marketing budget meaning the money that your company spends outside of model homes and salaries and commissions. Um, so all forms of advertising, uh, signage, online ads, uh, print ads, you know, billboards, weekend directionals, everything else. What percentage is spent on digital advertising? Is it 25% uh, to, to 49%, uh, 50%? What, what, what is that range? And again, digital would be uh, Paid social um, content as a whole. So, you know, photography, video, uh, it may end up going on a brochure or something else, but we consider that part of the digital advertising bucket because Mm -hmm. the primary place that all of your content should be going is on the web. Um, Paid search. um, Google. Google. Yep. Remarketing your website itself, your CRM system, uh, potentially. Um, agency fees uh, or partnerships that you have, What what is spent uh, collectively on digital advertising? Uh, for the most part, we tend to see, thankfully, that builders are spending at least 35 40% now on digital. Uh, I would say the best are spending uh, 55% plus now, uh, oftentimes as high as 65%. So just curious. We always like to compare against each other. So let's do it with yeah. our money. Let's do it. And that'll do it for this week. So for published articles, blog posts, videos, and more, check out do It's always the best place to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the like as well. You'll see the full do you convert team. We'll see you again <laughs> next week.